This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ali Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. Before introducing guests of today's episode, I would like to note just few things. Physical Activity Researcher podcast is committed to promoting equality and diversity in all its activities, including selection of guests. We have limited resources to scout all great researchers from different groups of people, so if you know someone who should be as a guest in the podcast, please ask this individual to contact us directly. As another thing, I would like to ask for your help. Being able to deliver this podcast to you, my audience, is based on how many people find, start to listen and follow this podcast. So I would really appreciate little help promoting this podcast. You can do this by subscribing, following the podcast on Twitter, retweeting tweets sometimes and maybe even giving a good rating if you liked an episode. And now... It is time for the actual show and introduction of our great guest of today's episode. We then move to this this work you have been doing uh, in improving how how to communicate physical activity guidelines. So could you tell more about this work? Yeah, I think this this actually ties in really nicely with the the systems based work in that the communication of physical activity. Um, in general, it's just one aspect of a system. It's one challenge that we're facing within a system. Um, so where this came about was, so Charlie Foster, um, who's one of my colleagues, he was the chair of the Chief Medical Officer's um, update on the physical activity guidelines in England and, well, in the UK. Um, and one of the things that he, I think, was quite aware of is that it's it's fairly difficult to communicate physical activity guidelines to the public um we i think at the moment like there was a study that was done back in 2015 i think that said that about 18 percent of um the public were aware of what these physical activity guidelines mm. were and equally there's a, there's a whole load of challenges around well what do people actually perceive physical activity to be um and so what we wanted to do within this project was to take the new physical activity guidelines that were published last year and really to work with a group or various community groups within Bristol to understand how can we improve how these um, guidelines are communicated to members of the public. And so what we did was we we were able to secure a little bit of funding from um, internally within the University of Bristol, which enabled us to, to develop some really innovative um, arts-based workshops, which were actually led by a community artist to go and um, speak to four different community groups within Bristol. So we spoke with um, a group of children and young people. We spoke with a group of um, adults. We spoke with a group of older adults. And we also spoke with um, a group of Somali women. Um, I say spoke, we didn't actually, we didn't speak. We, we had these very participatory um, workshops that were delivered. So they were, mm. they were quite fun, interactive. It wasn't just a, a focus group. Mm. 
But what we aim to do within these sessions that, as I said, were delivered by this community artist and in conjunction with Norwest Media Centre, is we, we ask questions along the lines of, so what do you perceive physical activity to be? Like if somebody says physical activity, like what's the first thing that jumps to mind? And then we work through a series of activities which um, basically ask them to look at the physical activity guidelines, to look at some other campaigns, uh, and to really provide recommendations on how these guidelines could be communicated, as I say, to, to um, people like them. So we wanted to know what is the key content, if you like, from these physical activity guidelines that is salient to you and, and may resonate with you. What's the best, um, the best message, if you like, that can help get that information across? Who's the best messenger that might be able to um, disseminate this information to, to yourselves? And like, what's the best mechanism of, of doing that? And so what we found within these workshops was really quite interesting. And it, a lot of this has been echoed beforehand in, in the literature. But around the perceptions of physical activity, most people, as I'm sure like a lot of us are aware, whenever you say physical activity, for the vast majority of the people we spoke with, they were immediately going to things like intentional physical activity, like having to go to the gym, going swimming, going to run, um, those sorts of things. Or they were seeing it as being sport. Mm. They weren't necessarily seeing physical activity as this thing that could just be part and parcel of your, your everyday life. It doesn't have to be intentional. It could be uh, more incidental things that you do around the house or going walking to the shops or so on and so forth. So there's this immediate challenge that I think we were faced with, which is, um, actually what people perceive physical activity to be. Um, but that then really continued throughout the rest of the workshops because they started to say, well, actually, as whilst all of this work has gone into the development of physical activity guidelines and they are incredibly important, those guidelines themselves are, are potentially more useful for um, healthcare professionals or people working in physical activity rather than the public per se. Because what these groups were suggesting to us is the main message that they need to hear is that moving just moving more is the key thing that they need to be able to do and that could be in a whole host of different ways it doesn't just have to be through intentional physical activity or it doesn't have to be through sport it can be through say gardening and walking to the shops and carrying bags those sorts of things but they then start to talk about what some of the benefits of physical activity are and some of the key things, again, that came out of this, whenever you look at, um, I'm not going to, a, a lot, when you look at a lot of health promotion um, materials, mm -hmm. some of those benefits that might be included in health promotion materials are that doing more physical activity is going to be really, really good for your physical health. But one of the things that came out of these workshops that we ran was that actually, whilst a lot of people value that, they valued the enjoyment of physical activity and the enjoyment of moving probably as much as anything else and they also really really enjoyed and it's linked to the first point the social aspect of physical activity and being able to do this with somebody else um, and linked to both of those is then the feel-good factor and the, the implication that this has on their uh, mental and emotional well-being so they were putting in a way those three things there above and beyond um, the health related benefits that they might um, that they might have as a product of doing say some more physical activity so the types of things that we include then within those physical activity messages might need to shift slightly 
uh, based upon some of the, the formative work that I guess we've done in Bristol, but that's also done in other areas and can be done more locally too. So it's about trying to understand what the perceptions of physical activity were and also what some of those benefits of physical activity were for these different cohorts. And it did vary slightly between those cohorts. And then when we start to look at what's the best messenger, like who's the best person to be giving mm. this information out, again, in the past, quite a lot of this comes from healthcare professionals. Um, but what these four groups that we worked with were telling us, well, healthcare professionals are great, but they might not necessarily always look like me. They might not come from the same background as me. They might not have the same circumstance as me. So what quite a number of those different groups were saying is, well, actually, for this physical activity message to really resonate with me, I'd like to see this message being communicated by somebody who looks like me, who talks like I do. And so you get then into these um, almost identification of, say, local champions and local people who might be able to really pass on these messages. Equally, when you start speaking to um, more like the, the children and young people, it's really easy then to see how influential celebrities are. Um, I mean, they were like saying social media platforms I'd never even heard of. And they were talking about these streamers and things mm. and giving all the names of these different streamers who I'd never heard of. But for those young people, they are these influential characters who hold quite a lot of influence on, um, I guess, the attitudes and the behaviors of, um, of these young people. And so if there's opportunities to work with those influencers uh, in some way, shape or form to really get a clear message across, then that might work from the point of view of children, and young people. Um, and then the last bit was just around the mechanisms and in terms of how do you get the message across? Is it through paper-based communications? Is it through mass media campaigns? Is it through social media, TV, radio, etc.? And in short, that varied enormously between the, the different groups that we spoke to. Um, so for the Somali, uh, women's community that we spoke with the best mechanism for them was actually through word of mouth in their community groups for the children and young people social media platforms tended to be um, more more preferred there so they were like that's a, a very quick summary of some of the things that we found within that work yeah no i i think it's great work you are doing that you actually just go go to the people and ask them how this should be communicated i think there's a big mix up that researchers are talking their language and then when they are for example communicating these to medical uh, care professionals they tend to talk about how much the diabetes risk is decreasing and so yeah. on but then we don't remember that people are actually wanting to hear a different story like you said that the the social aspect and feel good are more important. Yeah. So how do you think we could actually really improve this communication that we we separate the message to different stakeholders, that we talk totally different language to medical care providers than we talk for the normal people? I think that I think you're kind of talking to almost my answer there in a way. It depends on like who so who's the group that we're wanting to, to work with and maybe like influence here? If it's the, the public themselves, then I think it's actually it's really, really imperative to to work with a large group of um, different communities in order to understand what their preferences are. So that if you do do any physical activity promotion, you're really speaking in their language and you're getting the message across in a way which resonates with them. So I think doing a lot more formative work should improve then the campaigns and, and the, the promotion that goes alongside of it. 
That's if it's going to the public. But what we'd started to do within some of this work, and I think there's room to do um, quite a bit more, is if we're then thinking about healthcare professionals and how they communicate physical activity, well, if we look at what there is already available, there's lots of infographics that summarize the key recommendations from those physical activity guidelines. But they may have taken out some of the jargon um, of recommendation of the actual guidelines themselves, but they are still very much um, talking about the, the number of, say, moderate to vigorous physical activity minutes that you might need to do. And we know that from a public point of view, that's not necessarily the message they want to hear. Mm. So even though those infographics are designed for healthcare professionals, the messages that are put forward in those end up being, um, I guess, communicated down to the public and so we get these these messages around the number of moderate to physical uh, sorry moderate to vigorous physical activity minutes that they need to do they need to do 10 minutes of um so high intensity activity for example might end up um being communicated so one thing that we have tried to do um sort of the back end of last year is to think about how can we one summarize the findings from our work and some of the work that's been done up at the university of edinburgh we've worked quite closely with colleagues up there um, how can we then develop like we, it's almost you, you're not wanting in a way to develop more and more resources because there's so many out there already. So I think in an ideal scenario, you'd be trying to work with the key influential bodies in physical activity promotion, be that Sports England or be that Public Health England, whoever mm. it is, to then try and feed back some of our findings to those organisations who have a broader reach um, out amongst professional stakeholders. So if, for example, we can start to feed some of our findings into Sport England, who may do an awful lot of work with healthcare professionals. Then if we can start to influence some of the, the training um, content that they're delivering to these healthcare professionals, then that, for me, is a really good mechanism of shaping the types of physical activity messaging that might be coming out further down the line, if that makes sense. So it's, 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 it's quite easy for us, I think, to maybe, not easy, that's the wrong word, but um, we could go ahead and develop our own training resources around this, but you you come up against challenges. Well, well, how many people are going to engage with that training resource? Like, how is it going to be uh, delivered? Is it going to be sustainable to deliver this training? So, I think if we can work better with those organisations who it's almost part of their day job to be doing this sort of stuff, then that for me is going to have a broader reach and hopefully a broader application of our our research findings. <laughs> This podcast is sponsored by Fibian. Fibian is an accurate sitting and physical activity tracking device and analysis platform. It is a great tool for projects that aim for behaviour change in sedentary behaviour and incidental physical activity. Fibian provides easy-to-understand PDF and web browser reports for participants. Other features include comparisons to recommendations, linking results to health risks, achievement cards, and interactive goal-setting tool. In addition, Fibian provides an API that allows for easy integration to other systems and applications. Learn more about Fibian at fibian.com research. Fibian. From researchers to researchers. And you mentioned about people don't usually think about incidental physical activity when when talking about physical activity how how do you see what did you learn how this should be communicated that people understand it better that it's not only intentional physical activity i think 
don't get me wrong we didn't we didn't like the the data collection that we did in the workshops that we ran this we own they were these were only two hour workshops so we weren't able to go into like loads and loads and loads of depth and this may have only made up 15 minutes of those workshops mm. but i guess what we what we learned from that was that as i said beforehand there's there are these connotations as to what physical activity is um and subsequently that has implications for whether or not somebody feels that they themselves are able to go about doing it so if their perception of physical activity that it's going to the gym it's this really strenuous thing that it causes you to sweat if that's what their perception of it is then for some people they may be unlikely to to want to engage in that um physical activity behavior so what we learn i think from this is that one the perceptions of physical activity is quite broad and varied but equally like they're quite um misinterpreted but when we got to well what do you want these messages to look like and they started saying well actually if we move away from like the terms like physical activity exercise sport if we just start talking more broadly about movement and that doing more of this movement is really good for us then that for them seems to be quite a simple message to get across because you can move in many different ways and if what we're what the message we're putting forward is that movement is a really good thing for us to do um there's lots of different ways that we can do it there's ways in which it can be enjoyable for many people then finding your way of moving in the best possible way is probably going to bring you some form of benefit that are all listed and say infographics and the guidelines and so on and so forth so it's i think it's a, a reframing activity that maybe we need to go about doing moving away from talking about physical activity and these very structured activities um to just thinking more broadly about how can we move that little bit more um mm. yeah so and that that was why we called this project how how do you move mm. oh. yeah I, I think we have a little bit not enough probably terms and many of the terms are have too many connotations from the beginning so people understand them in a certain way even even the meaning could be different and you you talked about connotation how how do you feel about the the branding and the name of sport england it is doing a lot of <laughs> physical activity promotion and the name is sport england what's your take on this um oh, that's a good question i think well it is i'm sure they have had many conversations internally about this and they are a very very well known organization historically for doing more on the sport promotion front and i think it's been in more recent years when they have had this um slight change in strategy that actually they're they're starting to think more broadly about um how can we increase physical activity across the population rather than just trying to get more people into mm. sport um so i don't really i don't really want to comment too much on like what i think to say their their name and their brand because they have built up this very big brand over a long long period of time it's one that a lot of people know and within the area of physical activity what they tend to do is provide an awful lot of funding to organizations such as say active gloucestershire so they can then de deliver their work such as the one that they do which is we can mm. move so in a way their name is almost filtered out they become the funding source and then that funding goes into the delivery of these say local delivery pilots which they put an awful lot of money into or into say local areas like gloucestershire uh, where there are programs delivered like we can move so as i say the name around sport england whilst they're a funder of that might not necessarily be all that prevalent within 
um, those certain inter- in- interventions. Mm, yeah, and and I, I can fully understand that if you have a strong brand that people will know it's it's maybe not wise to go and change it. But I think it tells just about these connotation words and how we have evolved that earlier it was just promotion of sport participation, but now it has moved all the way to avoiding sedentary behavior. I think it, it tells about the change quite a bit. We got a we got a very very nice quote from um, a child. Say so it was in one of the workshops that we delivered, and he was being asked about what what does he think the word sedentary means. And for him, he thought uh, it was really really good, and it sticks in my mind. Is he thought sedentary uh, was a, t- a certain type of rock, and so I think he was talking about sedimentary. But actually, he was thinking that's for him was what sedentary meant. Um, and for me, that was almost like one of the quotes that epitomizes the reason for this work being as important as it was. Yeah. Um, because if, if people are thinking about stones and different types of rock formations when we're talking about physical activity, then that in itself is problematic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. And and sedentary behavior, it's it's a difficult <laughs> like concept. It's it's not like normal words. Yeah. And but maybe, maybe the sediment and and the rock rocks don't move too much, so maybe it, it describes the <laughs> phenomenon quite well. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe so. So you have also within this work, you have actually done like practical guidelines how to how to improve the communication could you tell tell more about these these practical guidelines um yeah so what we wanted to do is we were we were very aware that only a certain number of people might actually read um uh, an academic paper so what we did um following the the, the publication of the paper is a, well it was a supplement but something we could share more widely is we pulled together something called we called it our 10 ways to improve physical activity communication we, we've kind of branded these as the bristol recommendations but really what we did is we went back through all of the findings from the work that we've done to try and pull together 10 what we thought were quite key recommendations that might help people who work in the area of say uh, physical activity promotion it might actually help them to both critically reflect on the approach that they're taking at the moment to the promotion of physical activity and then subsequently to think maybe there are ways in which they could go about doing their communication more differently so just to give you like a few examples of the things that are included in this one of the key ones that we include at the very beginning is to work with these more multidisciplinary teams and i think within that we wanted to ensure that um say social marketing experts are involved because They've done an awful lot of work in the past in the development of campaigns that spend an awful lot of time um, around the formative evaluation, understanding the needs of populations, um, and then really refining and tailoring messages to different subgroups within the population. So drawing on the expertise of those those broader stakeholders, I think, was a fundamental um, recommendation that we put forward. But then equally, they're all really simple recommendations. Another one. Uh, in here that seems to have resonated quite well is just to promote the physical promote the benefits of physical activity but to go beyond just talking about the the improvements on physical health to looking at and mentioning some of the the benefits to our mental health and also to our social health and well-being um so yeah there's there's 10 key recommendations and they're all quite um simple and they all tie in with the findings as i say that came from uh the, the research work that we did so that's all available um, online and it's also a supplement to to the um to the paper mm. and I, I i really like the idea that working with the people who have 
who who work in the marketing and I, I think in marketing it is that that if you tell your message to someone it should be easy that they can repeat it they hear it once and then they can repeat yeah. it to another person so I, I think five a day is, is quite a good good example of this that it's it's easy to remember and easy to tell tell yeah. forward yeah yeah and that's where that's where I think we kind of came into a few challenges within the workshops is that people think that there are so many different recommendations there were very few people who um say knew that they should do five lots of 30 minutes of moderate vigorous physical activity each week because they'd also heard that they need to be doing strength and balance work they need to be doing um i don't know high intensity interval training like there are so many of these other terms that are getting thrown around and this space if you like of physical activity promotion and the recommendations that are being put forward is so well one it varies quite a lot between uh, campaign to campaign and then two the terms that we're using within these um within these say campaigns and these messages really isn't understood all that well by members of the public so that's why i think they came that came back to this idea of just moving more is a really useful um a really useful kind of message to be trying to get out mm. acknowledging the fact that for some people that there, there are certain physical activity guidelines that do need to be communicated because um yeah it might be that very specific type of physical activity that's important however for the general population just getting that concept of moving more out there um is probably a good one to to, to mm. go for and and how do you see you said that you you should mention the benefits but go beyond the health benefits how, how do you see this that you know the health benefits they come maybe in in 10 years or 20 years and for many people especially in the lower socioeconomic status it's the future thinking might not be the best that they actually think about that this will affect me in 20 years so yeah. how do you see this kind of acute effects versus long-term effects in in the communication i think that's um that's a, a really good a really good question one of the, i've had conversations um around these types of things before and when developing something like um, a physical activity say campaign or a physical activity message that's going to go out to the public if you are starting to include things such as the benefits of um physical activity if in all, and it kind of links back to what we we're saying earlier about the the need for evidence but if when you're developing these these messages that you you almost want to be certain that there's a, a a strong evidence base behind the statements that you're making then there is a strong evidence base that's available which is linking say physical activity levels to a range of physical health related um, outcomes be that in five years 10 years 20 years however there's probably a lot less evidence and, and high quality evidence in inverted commas about the benefits to things like social health and the the benefits of just enjoying physical activity so i guess it supposedly in a way for me comes back to some of the earlier conversation that we had about how we're valuing evidence whether or not there's evidence available um because it, it came out very very strongly within all the work we've done and within a lot of the other qualitative work that you see that for many people the social benefits of physical activity are one of the key reasons if you like why they may engage in it but that isn't necessarily evaluated through things such as a, a randomized controlled um, trial. They, they're more likely to focus on some of those medical um, outcomes, such as, I don't know, reduction in type 2 diabetes risk. This podcast is sponsored by Fibion. Uh, my name is Dr. Paul Batman, and I'd like to just say a few words about Fibion. 
Um, I've used it a number of times on different projects that I've been involved in and find that it's incredibly reliable, very valid and incredibly sturdy. I love the graphics that come with it. It really is very clear and can easily see the active in and active periods as well. So I'd certainly recommend Fibion to anyone that's interested in finding out more about sedentary behaviour, particularly the concept of sitting and how we can possibly break it up with some really good, valid information. Fibion, from researchers to researchers. And how do you see the physical activity recommendations? Because basically anything counts, but more is better and more you gain when the intensity is higher. So basically it's just yep. a continuum of benefits really far in the probably running two marathons a year when it starts to plateau and maybe turn down. But but where do you think we should put the threshold? Now we say a recommendation of 150 minutes. Do you think that's a good good threshold or should we just communicate that it's it's a continuum? How, how do you see this? I'm not um, I'm not an epidemiologist. So I I I've never been involved in the conversations around the, the thresholds for physical activity. I think I can only talk to the things that I have been involved in, which are things such as this. Um, I think it's very much it is very important for us to understand some of those thresholds from an epidemiological point of view and maybe from a, a population health monitoring point of view. Um, but if it depends on what the aim is, if the aim is to try and get a message out to the public, which is all to do with say, some of the benefits of physical activity, if that is what the aim of some of these messages are, then I think the inclusion of um, a target such as 150 minutes, because it's that's not the only recommendation, you've got recommendations around strength and balance and the importance mm -hmm. of that. What we're trying to get out there is that, as you said before, that doing something is better than nothing and just moving more generally is probably going to be a benefit for you um, within a given, I guess, Within, within given parameters. So I think for me, I'd always come back to that is that's probably at the core of the message that we're trying to get out is that just doing more movement and that some of it is better than nothing is the thing that we want to get out, acknowledging that within epidemiology um, and maybe from a, a broad, as I say, population health monitoring perspective, understanding those thresholds is also important. Mm, yeah, yeah. You kind of said that what is the aim of the communication? Probably it is to get the wide population to move more, to be more healthy. But yeah, what I was trying to go after here is that uh, we can put the threshold really low. So then basically most of the people would achieve and probably they wouldn't have motivation uh, yeah, yeah. to increase. We can put it really high when yeah. a lot of people get yeah. discouraged. And even though though you don't work with the epidemiology, you, you probably, you have talked with people. So what is your feel that, um, how, okay. how they okay. are yeah okay I'm with you. okay no that's that's a good one. so i would go back to like who so who, if that's the case who's this who are those recommendations going to be um i guess communicated to so if you were trying to get this message of 150 minutes out there who are you trying to get that message to if we're aware that there's already like a, a high proportion of the the population who are physically active so they may continue to do the, the level of physical activity that they're doing so if we're saying that these messages are maybe targeted at people who are uh, of lower levels of physical activity, then the work that we'd done here really came out quite strongly that for a lot of people, um, 150 minutes a day seemed like something that was unobtainable to them. 
so that was the that was the message that we got straight away was that 150 minutes and particularly when that they thought physical activity had to be something that was intentional um that seemed to be something that was unobtainable but when we were able to dig a little bit deeper and understand the types of physical activity that they might do within their day-to-day life so they may do loads of gardening or they may do loads of walking that actually 150 minutes was probably well within their grasp it just came down to how they were perceiving physical activity and what they perceived it to be so if we were to if we were to lower the threshold would it have an impact i i, I don't i don't know um but i know that for some people that having 150 minutes as a, say a threshold to aim for can be demotivating mm. but it, it's tied in and linked to what they perceive physical activity to be so i think it's it, it's really quite complex mm, yeah I know, I know, I haven't, I know, I haven't given a very um, concrete answer there, but I think it's just, I think it's very, very difficult. I don't think it's just about what the number mm. is. Yeah, and uh, I'm sorry, I, I tried to put a little bit challenge because you, 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 you have to talk <laughs> with people, so yeah, you, no, you know, good. you it's know good. them better. You, you know something more about them than many of the people even giving the recommendations because they haven't done this kind of interviews. So that's why I, I tried to push. A little bit. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. So uh, it has been very, very interesting discussions this far. Is there is there something you would like to like to promote, uh, whether it be a book chapter or your recommendation, and and you can tell also where people can find this. Um, there it was. One, there is the the work that we've been doing around the physical activity guidelines. That's um, either if you're able to find me on Twitter, it's linked to my twitter bio or it's linked to our um, profiles on the university of bristol website but that's quite a, a nice paper and it, it's the one that has the infographic alongside of it which provides recommendations for how to improve uh physical activity guideline communication so that's quite a nice resource to have a look at and then i think maybe just keeping keeping an eye on some of the because we've got a few papers in at the moment which are talking about different ways to evaluate um systems approach and i guess i'm talking more here to to fellow like research and academics but we've got a couple of papers at the moment that are looking at as i say these alternative ways of evaluating systems approach and different ways of thinking within systems so there's, there's a few things that are in the pipeline um but they are as i say they're in the pipeline more so than out of the mm. other end. so you have this evaluation framework that can be used would you like that the people who are, who are using systems approach would uh, would would use your framework to evaluate would that be good good data yeah it'd be well i think it'd be really useful just to if anybody is interested in the evaluation of systems like i'd be more than happy always to have a chat about how they're going about doing that and and just how we can like learn from each other about the ways in which we evaluate these systems the work that we're doing in gloucestershire that's really on quite a small small budget um in terms of like the the grant allocation that we have so it's it's knowing what what can we work with in the real world to evaluate these systems approach so if anybody's interested in that then i'd be very happy to have a chat and, and learn from mm, each other on yeah sounds sounds good uh so is there something you would like to bring bring up into this discussion before we wrap up um i don't think so ollie um 
no, I think I've kind of covered off everything there that uh, we're hoping yeah, to talk through. Yeah, it was it was an honor to have you as a guest in the in the podcast. It was it was very very interesting discussions about systems approach and physical activity communication. So thank you for taking the time for this podcast, James. No, thank you. Thank you for the invite. And uh, I think it shows how uh, how useful Twitter can be in terms of connecting yeah, people. I fully agree. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been really good. Thank you. Yep, yeah, thank you. Cheers, Oli. Cheers. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.